Welcome to Campus Life, the college half of our flagship pod here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Does the and get longer? Uh, only only sometimes. It's just it kind like of depends one of those, when I feel like it. Those things by like episode 400, it takes up like 10 minutes of the episode. And this is Colin. <laughs> just slowly, slowly make it yeah. bigger so it's not noticeable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what I, I, that's what I suspect yep. you've been doing to me for weeks now. You're you you're quick. You're quick. You catch I'm on. As, I'm not as dumb as I look. It's a good point. Yeah, it's a good point. You, I'll, I'll just we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Colin, you you had the house out of yourself this weekend. You have a good you have a good uh, weekend. I did. Um, so my family found out I had the house to myself this weekend, and I oh was no, be here and they they didn't come up, but they asked me to go help them with some stuff. So. Um, Saturday was supposed to be spent by myself and I ended up going and, and helping out with some things at my parents' place, but that was fine. Cause I saw a friend that I hadn't seen in a while. Uh, and then I saw another friend that I hadn't seen in like five or six years. Were these like stuffed animals that you found in a box at your parents' house? Yeah. I can't mm-hmm. believe you found two friends in one week that you hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, well, the one friend, the one friend was Brady and it's not that I hadn't seen him in that long of a time. I mean, you know, Brady, um, it just had been a little while. So, um, but yeah, the other one was a stuffed animal. It had probably been like five, five years that it's, I'd seen the stuffed animal. Fuzzy wuzzy mm-hmm. teddy bear. Yeah. No, it's a uh, good night. Ernie. From... Did you really have an Ernie you slept with mm-hmm. when I was a kid? Yeah. He had like a little, uh, a little hat, and, like a sleep cap and a, a shirt and he would like yawn and then he would say like, I feel great, but it was like demonic. Um, because I took the batteries out of it and it would still make that noise sometimes. So my house is haunted by the ghost of sleep and snore Ernie or wake me up Ernie or whatever it was called. Well, Ernie being your presumed favorite is all I need to know about you, quite frankly. <laughs> Explain so much. <laughs> Cookie Monster was my favorite, okay. but Ernie was Ernie was up there. I did like Ernie. I'm telling Ernie you said that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, let's talk some spring games here, Colin. This was kind of our last big batch. The last two weekends both had the overwhelming majority of spring games, at least the ones we care about. We don't have any special guests uh, for tonight. It's just you and me, but we're going to try to do this the best that we can. So we're going to start, I think, with Alabama. The... I don't know. I mean, I, I know George is a two-time reigning champion, but they're kind of the program that everybody aspires to be still, I, I would wager. Um, watch this whole game. Uh, Colin, you you said you watched a little bit of this game as well, or this this wasn't one that you watched the full thing of. You watched all of Washington and most of Colorado were your two that you like really honed in on. Yes, sir. Okay. Yep. Yeah, okay. I did not watch um, much of the Alabama one. Uh, like I said, Saturday was, was spent um, basically digging a ditch. So family a lot dog of fun. starting to starting to go or what are we what are we doing? <laughs> no, no. It was at my Graham's place. Like okay. there's like a an Graham area went? where like no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, she's still kicking. Okay, okay. Just making sure. <laughs> Keeping everything above board here. Yeah, yeah. There's Why just an this... area that like it tends to like get filled up and back up with stuff. So <clears> it'll like kind of flood in an area. So I had to dig some of that out. Gotcha. Okay, that sounds fun, man. I'm sorry you got Loads. you got uh, you got talked into that. Poor poor Colin. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was supposed to be a casual, very relaxed weekend, but alas. This guy wasn't built for physical labor. Okay, back to Alabama. (laughs) Back to Alabama. Speaking of somebody who is built for physical labor. Whoa, I was going to ask about Jalen Milrow first. Kind of fucked up. Oh, okay. Well, I I thought you were going a different route. But I mean, it makes sense. We're going to talk quarterbacks first because I think that's the battle that kind of changes how we think about a lot of the other battles the wide receivers and maybe we don't care about them as so much if Jalen milrow wins the job he's not been quite as effective as a passer uh but he's definitely been really explosive as a runner so we got to look at uh both of those guys throughout this game they play they both played a lot lonergan mm-hmm. uh came in I want to say it was like midway through the third quarter maybe maybe even a little bit after that eli holstein the other true freshman there uh came in uh, late as well. They they Holstein only threw six passes. The again, it says he threw fourteen. Didn't feel like he threw fourteen passes. He he really wasn't in there uh, for too terribly long. But that so we got we we had Ty Simpson here on the Crimson. Crimson won on the day, uh, twelve for twenty six with an interception, no touchdowns, one hundred and fifty five passing yards. He did rush for uh, fi- uh six or fifty eight yards as well. Uh, had had a couple of longer ones there. Milrow statistically was the better guy on the day, you know, 19 for 37, two interceptions, but two touchdowns. And he had 245 yards passing and he added some yardage on the ground as well. Uh, 20 total. But again, you're taking out some sacks and stuff in that. So overall rushed for probably roughly about as many yards uh, as Ty Simpson did when all was said and done. I don't know. I, I still don't know if the season started tomorrow who Nick Saban would pick as his quarterback. But I, we've been going back and forth in this all day between the Debbie debate guys. I think Milrow looked slightly better on the day if I'm trying to win a game tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, well, even if you just look at the stat sheet there, Ty Simpson completed less than 50% of his passes and didn't have any touchdowns. Melise Milrow was at 51.4%, so, you know, not great, but... uh Slightly better, two touchdowns. I mean, honestly, I am coming more around to the thought that the Alabama quarterback for next year is probably not on the roster. Oh, I think see, I think I, I completely disagree with that. I think that's the wrong, the one wrong take you could have had here, Colin. <laughs> I mean, these guys all look like they did not do particularly good. We've heard that they were interested in some other quarterbacks here. I, I don't know, man. Did you think Alabama? How many games do you think Alabama wins with Jalen Milrow quarterback and with these skill positions, like the, the receivers plus. that they have? Ten plus. I'm not that really that worried about it. I just it, that you just changed the offense a little bit. I, I I still wouldn't be that concerned, and I think their defense is going to be really really good. Well, I mean, I think their defense is going to be really good, but. I don't know how as many games I see them winning with these guys with these quarterbacks on the roster. I mean, who who's who's going to contend with them on their side of the division? Tennessee lost their quarterback and their two best wide receivers. Well, that's the other side. No, Tennessee's on their side. Are they not? No, LSU's no, t- on their side. Yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, I was thinking Tennessee's about the teams in the that East. they were competing for. That they were the yeah. So L- yeah. LSU's usually the only one that's going to compete with them. I think Ole Miss is going to surprise some people this year. You still are just so on Jackson Dart, and you cannot give it up. It's I think old, really old embarrassing. Miss, old Miss's defense was atrocious last year, and it looked a little bit better in the spring game. That's I an think, indictment on Jackson Dart, Colin. 
What do we do? If they were terrible I last year and then they fixed it all. And now Jackson Dart. I wasn't here? hyping up Jackson Dart here. You're the one who went the Jackson Dart route. I just think Ole Miss is going to be, if there's a dark horse in the uh, SEC West, I think it's Ole Miss. I need to see your math on this. I don't know if we have enough time on this show to discuss this <laughs> at today. I, I'm going to need to see, you know, sit down and, and some real logic behind why you think that is. Because that that does not compute to me at all. I mean, I think the whole rest of the SEC West is down. I, I will completely agree with your point there on that side. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I think it's LSU. I think it's Alabama. And if there's a dark horse, I think it's Ole Miss because it's not Auburn. It's not um, Mississippi State's probably going to take a step back. Um, Arkansas is probably going to be okay, but. A and M. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that offense looks this year. Okay. The defense, okay. I think, is going to be good, but we'll see how the offense looks. Well, it sounds like they want. They're trying to give a lot of snaps to Max Johnson in practice, which makes zero sense to me. So yeah. maybe they they haven't learned anything <laughs> from last year. Who's who's yeah. to say? Back it's to Alabama. Back to Alabama, though. This Alabama discussion, we've talked about five other teams. We haven't talked about Alabama at all while we're doing this. So that's good. Well, in fairness, Alabama's spring game uh, depth or spring game stat sheet lists Auburn as the team that they played. So it does. This is is true, people. If if you go pull up the stats from the Alabama, like just search (laughs) their stats and you go to the the homepage for the the spring game stats, it says on the day it was crimson (laughs) and white. And Crimson beat White, so it says Crimson beat Auburn. On yeah, their, like, they listed statue. the loser as Auburn, which yeah. I think is, I'm assuming, is on purpose, and it's a hilarious troll job. Yes, very. that is really, really funny. Okay, I mean, I I, I think saying that... who Who is the Magic quarterback that they're going to pull out of their hat here? Uh, I don't know yet. I mean, it sounds like Tyler Van Dyke is going to stay, and they would have to... Uh, do this pretty quickly here, but it's Alabama. I mean, you can't tell me that if they wanted to go get any number of quarterbacks from around the country, um, you know, let's say they want to go get, well, I don't think Devin Brown's ready to give it up yet there, but I mean, there's going to be guys who lose battles and they could go snag one of them. I mean, if nothing else, just for another body to compete there, because I'm not sold that Milrow or Simpson are it. There is not that much time left to enter the portal here. You know that, right? I do. I do. April 30th is the last day. So you're saying that between now and April 30th, the time we do this show next week, somebody who is good enough to play football, start start a quarterback for the Alabama Crimson Tide is going to enter the portal that we have no idea about, that there's been zero rumbling about, and he's going to do that, and he's going to go there, and he's going to be the starter on the opening game. Um, of week I one. think that they're going to go get somebody else. Whether that person can beat out Milrow or Simpson, I don't know. But I don't think Milrow or Simpson are it. And I don't think that they should sit back and not try and get somebody else. We're going to need to make a bet on this. Because this is, you know, we, we've we both said some just preposterous things on this podcast. We're 132 episodes into the campus life side of things at minimum. Plus, there's been a <laughs> bunch of other ones like the summer squad episodes that don't count toward that total. So we've probably probably done well into 150, 160 episodes of the show. And that's that's the literally the worst take you've ever had on here. That Milrow or Simpson aren't it. That they're going to pull some magic 
third or fifth guy out of that hat to come in and play for them this season out of the transfer portal that closes in seven days when there's nobody entering the portal at this point. It's basically over at quarterback. I mean, nobody's entering the portal right now, but there's still a week and it's Alabama. You can't tell me there's not backdoor dealings where they're going to try and go get somebody. They already tried that. It didn't work. I don't think they have just like a list. They're not just going to go down the list. Oh, oh, no, he said no. Okay. Oh, no, no, he said no. They tried it twice this offseason already. They tried Drake May earlier in the year. Okay, well, Drake May, like, yeah, they're okay. That then, was that was probably they tried uh, Tyler Van Dyke. Yeah, the, the Drake May one was probably a, a little ambitious. Um, it does surprise me that Tyler, it does surprise me Tyler Van Dyke said no, though. Tweet but. okay. Anybody listening to the show, what I want you guys to do is I want you to go on Twitter and I want you to tweet at us at Campus to Canton. And then if you want to tag Colin and I in it as well, I'm at Debbie Dietz. Colin is at C2C Decker, D-E-C-K-E-R. I want you to sarcastically tweet at us the, start, <laughs> the starting quarterback who's not on Alabama's roster but will be there on day one. Best answer gets a, uh, a free guide of their choice and we can discuss. I'll... Uh, We'll, we'll help you figure that out. But that's what we want you guys to do. Tweet at yeah. us. Let us know who your fate, your, the, 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 the best name you can think of that can start for Alabama in week one. And the answer that I find funniest and possibly <laughs> mocks Colin the most will be the winner. Oh, well, uh, Ty Thompson doesn't count. Don't say Ty Thompson. <laughs> Ty Thompson would have been the automatic winner, but then you had to go and say that. Yeah, so yeah no, that I'm gonna, we're no going gonna to put that one to bed. We're going to put that one to bed. That would have been too easy. Yeah, yeah you're right. it would have. It would have. I don't know. I mean, it, is Garrett Nussmeyer? Do we think he's going to enter the portal? Uh, SEC players can't transfer in conference and play next year unless they're a grad transfer. Oh, yeah. I forgot they instituted that. I was actually thinking, every every conference should have that for the record. I was going to say, conference. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it should be like you get a list of three teams that you can say, no, you can't transfer to these teams, but three or five, maybe. But There's 133, 34. I don't know what it is at now. It, it, the number goes up slightly every offseason. FBS teams, you can't go find one that's not in your your conference. Yeah, I, I, you know, I it's yeah. my least favorite thing that some of the conferences allow you to do that. You 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 should never be allowed to do that in a, in a billion years. Yeah. Yeah. Back, All right. Back to back, Alabama. To, back to Alabama discussion again. We're never we're going to talk for two hours, and we're not going to get through Alabama. Yeah, I think Milrow starts tomorrow if, if they have a game tomorrow. I don't even think it's that much of a discussion. We've been no. I mean, this. I don't I, think Simpson looked good in this game no. at all. Actually, um, he Felix and I were arguing about this, and Felix was saying Jalen Milrow looks slow in processing everything, and I think I agree. But I don't think Simpson looks a heck of a lot better. Simpson was pretty good when you were asking him to just dump it down for six yards. But any sort of throw downfield that required any sort of, you know, a serious arm talent or B making any sort of read, he didn't. He failed spectacularly at it. He missed two wide open touchdowns. He threw a pick that the DB made a really nice play, jumped the route, but the ball placement wasn't good enough to avoid the issue. I just, I don't see it with Ty Simpson at all. I think he'll be dropping reasonably far in my rankings, actually. Like, you know, as much as, uh, you know, maybe five, six, seven spots somewhere in that range. But I, I, I'm no longer a believer. Yeah, well, I mean, we just had the, uh, the Debbie QB tier rankings call the other day, which will be releasing to the NILs and another episode of the collective at some point. Yeah, that'll but... be out tomorrow. Oh no, sorry. Uh, running back. Running back. It'll be, it'll be out next week. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but we were talking about Ty Simpson in there and we were talking about, okay, well, what tier do you guys have him in? And I was like, well, if we did the call on Friday, I was like, let's see what happens on Saturday because he could stay where he's at. He might drop and he is going to drop for me as well. Yeah, I, I was really unimpressed. Um, you know, who I was impressed with, though, Colin, within reason, within reason. Let's not get crazy here. Justice Haynes had himself a pretty good day for anybody that didn't pay attention to this one. He was on the uh, the Crimson, Crimson team, the team that won. He scored a receiving touchdown. He had four catches for 40 yards uh, to add to that receiving touchdown. And then on the ground, 10 carries, 24 yards, two touchdowns. So three touchdowns on the day. It wasn't, it wasn't really like an amazing performance by any stretch. I don't know that any of the touchdowns he scored wouldn't have been scored by anybody else that's on the team from the running back position. But I do think it was really good that he was clearly getting touches. They wanted to see more of him. He out-touched uh, Jam Miller, and they performed pretty similarly. Jamarian is what he, he goes by Jam now, I think, on like all their stuff. Yeah. Um, he just looked like he kind of belonged there, which I think is you – know, we talked last week, the quarterback's a different beast, but we talked about you know, Arch didn't look really good. Nico really didn't look that good. Uh, Malachi Nelson really didn't look that good. Like he at least looked like he belonged in this game. And I think that's big for a freshman on campus and validates a little bit of the news that we'd heard out of there all spring about how he was really pushing some of these guys. Yeah. I mean, I, I still like, I, I like justice Haynes. I, I'm still a little bit worried about just the log jam of backs there, but I am getting less worried about it. I mean, we've, it's been a steady drumbeat and then to see this type of a performance, I think is, uh, is definitely reassuring. Now, Jace McClellan, Roy Dell Williams ran with the what seemed to be more of the first team. So I, I we actually should have addressed that to start. There was no first and second team when it came to the skill guys. Anybody who was tweeting from campus to Canton.com who insinuated otherwise, you should go, <laughs> you should go and base them because there was no real ones and twos like distinction here. There there were it was really jumbled up because if that's the case, and Kendrick Law is a starting boundary wide receiver for the ones going into the season, and we know that is not the case. So no, that there was no real distinction between the two. Right, but I still think McClellan and Roydell Williams are going to be the first two backs on there, and there's, um, you know, a, a log jam of backs ahead of him this year. But Justice Haynes is looking like he could jump jam miller and be the next guy up mcclellan was clearly the best back on the day in my opinion he actually looked really good they only gave him seven carries and i was wondering i was even wondering because i missed the first couple plays and i think he he got a a touch or two in there i was like is, is he even playing and then he came in like late second quarter or something and broke like two pretty decent runs and then they, i think they they pulled him again and he was he was done for the rest of the day but he he was the best the best back on the day i Makes me feel really good about my some of the Jace McClellan that I've been, you know, either had in the past or have been trying to kind of buy in the past six to eight months um, due to the injury and just Jameer Gibbs being there. Yeah, well, I mean, we said in I think it was like December or late November that like go get Jace McClellan because at that point in time the worst, you know, he either declared for the draft and he got a good draft grade and declared, or he was going back and we were assuming he was going to be the guy. Um, I think so he would I have think... been the fourth back off the board if he had gone to the draft still. 
I could see that. I could see that. I think he would have risen really steadily as the offseason went on. I think it might have been a missed opportunity for him. I I don't disagree with that. Um, other notes from this game. I don't, I don't know if there's a lot of other stuff because just how intermingled all of the skill guys were. Malik Benson really did nothing on the day, and then at the very end of the game, caught four straight passes and a touchdown. Uh, so he finished for five for seventy and one. Um, uh, it seemed like the guy that that Jalen Milrow, should he get the starting job, had the best chemistry with was actually Kendrick Law. Weirdly, he had a couple of really nice back shoulder fades, kind of you know down the sideline to him. Um, it. it uh, I didn't even realize it was Kendrick Law. <laughs> I like I didn't recognize the number. Um, Jermaine Burton had two two catches, sixty six yards. He also had a really freaking awful drop at one point. You could see Saban losing it on the sideline after he did it. One guy that I thought actually looked really bad in this game was Kobe Prentice. They targeted him a bit. He lost at the catch point two or three times that I can remember. He really didn't do much. Finished this game three for twenty seven. I still think he's a guy that fades on this team. Do you agree with that, Colin? Yeah, I think we've kind of been saying that um, like all off season that he's kind of an aberration. And yes, it was really nice to see him step up last year in a wide receiver room that had a lot of veteran players and a lot of bodies. But I still don't think he's anything special. And I think that the other wide receivers that they've just brought in, um, you know, in Benson, um, Bond is is still there, Brooks, Burton. Like those guys are all gonna get the, the looks over over Prentice, and he's just kind of a guy. You know, he's not special or anything like that. So and anybody who was treating him that way, I think, you know, that would have been the opportunity to try to sell him to somebody like that. Yeah. Um I don't know what you're going to do at this point. If I'm doing a startup this year, I am not touching Kobe Prentice until late. I'm not doing it. Um, I, I think he's got to transfer elsewhere. There's just so many other guys there that I think are more talented than him. Yeah. So yeah. it's, you know, it's always tough there, but I don't think he, he, he does much there. Um, I guess we should note that Emmanuel Henderson did have two catches in this game as yeah. well on a touchdown, but I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't, you know, it wasn't like he was really doing a ton. Okay, that's all we got. (laughs) (laughs) The passing game was not really Mm -hmm. interesting in this one. So, and without like a clear ones and twos, it's it's hard to draw many more conclusions. CJ Dupree only with one catch is a little disappointing. Yeah, I know he's your guy. They um, I kept waiting because they kept targeting tight end, but it didn't seem to be him. Yeah, yeah, Amari Nyblack three catches. Yeah, he 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 had himself a decent day. Um, let's go over to Notre Dame. A school with uh, some big changes, I think, coming this offseason. They lost their offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese. So they bring in a new OC after a prolonged search. I don't really, wasn't really on the show much when that was going on to make fun of them, but that was fun to watch. Uh, pretty much overhauling the wide receiver room. New quarterback coming in, Sam Hartman from Wake Forest. Just a lot. Really, the only thing that stays the same is, for the most part, the backfield. And even there, we had Chris Tyree that seems like he's transitioning more to slot wide receiver at this point uh we should note we're going to pour one out before we start talking about them that uh our guy lorenzo styles rumors that he's been playing corner 
They asked him to switch to corner. He said, sure. And then two days later, entered the transfer portal. So he's no longer playing wide receiver and he's no longer playing anything at Notre Dame. We'll see where he ends up. His brother's at Ohio State. Yeah. Pour one out. Pour one out for him. That was uh, the guy that we liked here on the show. Yeah. Or at least and one of he, us did. I don't. I don't want to speak too much for you. But. I mean, I liked him. Uh, he and he did lead Notre Dame in receiving last year as a receiver, like for wide receivers. I mean, it wasn't particularly good numbers, but he was still the leading wide receiver on the team. So to see him fall that far that quickly is is surprising. I'm going to take the W there then. <laughs> Never lost. Never lost. Taking his place, Jaden Greathouse, a guy that we really didn't hear much about through the spring, a guy that we had as a tier two wide receiver in this class, uh, dropped a little bit for me as the recruiting process went on, dropped him probably about 10 spots from junior to end, uh, end of junior year to end of senior year, um, led the team in receiving on the day, 11 catches, 118 yards, apparently from reports looked really, really good. Uh, I think this is what we needed to keep the Greathouse dreams alive. Because I was starting yeah. to get pretty freaking worried about it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I completely agree. I had dropped him um, a little bit in my in my rankings. I mean, he was, I think he started the offseason around like 35. And like right now he's at like 40. Um, so he dropped a couple of spots. I'll probably keep him there. But definitely a good sign. I mean, he tore up high school football in Texas, which is usually a good indicator of somebody who's going to be successful at the next level. But I know the big concern with him was, is that level of athleticism? Um, yeah. He's almost like just a tweener. Like yeah. I, he, he's very, very difficult to peg down. He could be a, a one of one type of athlete that just is an outlier, weird guy and makes it. Um, so we'll be paying attention there. Um, Braylon James also actually apparently looked fairly good on the day. Although he didn't put up crazy stats. The only other name that I really wanted to highlight here is Sam Hartman. There were rumors that um, Tyler Buckner had been running with the ones or it was, was challenging Hartman for that role. Um, Buckner looked terrible through multiple interceptions on the day while Sam Hartman went, I believe, 13 for 16 for 180 something yards and a couple of touchdowns. It's it's Hartman here. And I think this performance should make us tentatively optimistic about the passing game there this year where there maybe hasn't been a lot to be excited about there over the past couple of seasons. Yeah. And I mean, I think this is a good thing for Hartman as well, getting out of that wake forest offense with the, you know, the slow mesh so kind of gimmicky getting into something that's a little bit more pro style. Um, and I think that that very easily could be the reason that he started spring off so slow was he was learning a brand new offense. You know, he had spent like four years in Wake Forest's offense. He needed to learn some more pro style concepts. It seems like, you know, when the lights came on, though, he was definitely the one who performed the best. Um, so that was definitely reassuring to see. And I think if Hartman shows that he can run a more pro style offense, I think he has the potential to be like a long term NFL backup type of a guy. I don't think he's ever going to be a starter, but He's a smart player, uh, and I think there's enough there that he could stick on a roster in the NFL. Yeah, he'll probably hang around. He'll be like next year's, I don't know, Clayton Toon or someone yeah, goofy that, exactly that, was, that people yeah. seem to be really excited about for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so. Jake Hayner. He could be one of those guys. Hayner's faded. Seems like Toon's the guy now. Toon, yeah. Toon, Toon, Toon. Sing that tune. Toon, Toon. That's all everybody wants. All right, we're going to go over to our West Coast correspondent well, here. One more thing. Okay. You before, ruined on Notre Dame. Good late in you. I know. Jerk. I know. I did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I just wanted to touch on Jabran Payne. You made fun of me last year mm-hmm. for saying that he was like a end of the he was like a watch list kind of a guy, guy I put at the end of my rankings. I don't remember doing that, but it sounds like me. He had 11 carries for 51 yards uh, and two catches for 14 yards. He was looked like the best running back on the day. I don't think Estimator digs are anything special. I don't think Payne is either, but I don't know. I think it's worth noting. I just had to bring that up because you you mocked me relentlessly. I think okay. before before my comment about Alabama looking for a quarterback in the portal, that was probably what you said was the stupidest thing I've said on the show. It's hard to keep up with the stupidest thing I've said on the show is because I just keep outdoing myself. It's true. You really do. But yeah, I just wanted to note that. Well, just now, that you, now that you ruined my intro into washington to talk about a player that's not rosterable at all in c2c right now why don't you go talk about washington (laughs) i'm sorry i ruined your intro um but i didn't in my defense i didn't know it was going there but uh washington was one of the it was the spring game that i watched in this one and the offense as a whole struggled um the defense actually went up 25 to nothing and this was like a modified scoring but they did have a pick six in there too um, both of the quarterbacks, Michael Penix, 18 to 26, 158 yards and one interception. Now this is like unofficial stats. Uh, I heard this on the, um, dog man radio pod. They were kind of, they gave some unofficial stats that they had cause I hadn't been able to find anything official online, but Penix, 18 of 26, 158 and a pick, um, Dylan Morris, seven for 15, 123 and an interception. Neither of those guys look particularly good. Adunze led the receivers, which is not necessarily surprising. Uh, seven for 73. McMillan was ho-hum, three for 29. Uh, but two guys to keep an eye on that it sounds like they might be next. So it's going to be Adunze and McMillan this year. But Jeremy Bernard, two for 41, and he had a really nice catch down the sideline. Um, and then Denzel Boston, a red shirt freshman, he had three for 62 and he had a six yard touchdown on a direct snap. So, uh, those guys sound like they might be next. And then at the running back position, what, what about Polk? Did he not play? Uh, no, I don't know. I don't believe Polk played because, okay. um, Giles Jackson, uh, was also running with the ones mixing in, um, but yeah, Giles Jackson had, I think, like four catches or something like that. Um, but the running back, Cam Davis, looks like he might have sealed this job up. Now, Dylan Johnson didn't play the transfer from Mississippi State. Uh, but if I'm a Dylan Johnson holder or or believer, I'm, I'm getting a little nervous. Cam Davis, they've been slowly talking about him all spring and how he looked good. And then this one, he had 12 for 51 and two touchdowns. So... Seems like he might be the guy there, but I'm hesitant to think that this is going to be an, a fantasy relevant position for CFF. Like I kind of got burned on that last year. Like looking who, for who were you going after last year from that backfield? Was it Davis? 
Um, Davis was one of the guys I was looking at, and then they brought in um, Aaron Dumas. A transfer. That's right. Dumas was the other guy. I, I took yeah. a couple of him late in the offseason. Yeah, they brought him, and he was a transfer from New Mexico. Um, but, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think maybe looking for DeBoer's next Ronnie Rivers might be a fool's errand. So I'm kind of off of the Washington running backs. And I'm, I, I so the, I think Kalen DeBoer's offense is going to be good. Like he runs a good offense. He has pretty much everywhere he's been. He always um, passes at an above average rate. But last year they passed at a 61.3% neutral passage, like a neutral pass script pass rate, um, which was like six almost 6% higher than what DeBoer had the past two years. So I think Washington's offense as a whole is going to take a small step back. I still think it's going to be good for fantasy purposes. I still like these guys, but I don't know. I'm not worried, but it's not, I think it's an offense that's getting maybe a little bit too much hype right now. What round of a C2C startup should Michael Penix go in? Oh man. Um should. I'm not probably like not you would take him. But. I'm honestly probably not taking him to be honest. I mean, unless he falls pretty far, like I don't know, around ten to fifteen maybe. But there's so many other quarterbacks this year that I think you can get that you you would take one round one year Michael Penix Jr. in the tenth to fifteenth round. I don't know, maybe, but he's always gone before I even get a chance to really look at it. Okay. I'm um, I'm I'm legitimately asking. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't I don't have a good answer. I haven't taken him anywhere and I don't expect to take him anywhere. Um I tend to wait on the quarterbacks if I don't take one in like the first like three or four rounds or so. I'm just gonna wait for a long time. What round or what yeah, what round of a startup should Romeo Dunze go in? Um not what that... round you're taking him in. What round should he go in? <laughs> Um, I think that's a tough one because I think he has, he's, I think he's going to be the leading wide receiver for Washington this year. And I think he's going to have a really nice year for CFF, probably like a back end wide receiver one for CFF purposes. Like I said, I think the offense as a whole is going to take a small step back. Uh, and I think he has the higher ceiling between him and a McMillan for the NFL, just given, you know, he's a boundary wide receiver. He's an X guy. Um, if I think if he can, put it together a little bit more technically and, and offer maybe a little, he doesn't offer a lot after the catch. So I don't know if that's something maybe to improve, but I think he still has the higher ceiling. McMillan is just really steady. I would probably start looking at a Dunze in round five, six, somewhere in that range. I was going to say six to seven. So, okay. That 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 lines up with what I would have said. Last one I want to ask you on this offense. What round should I be taking Jeremy Bernard in in a startup? Ooh, that's an interesting one. I think he's a really good value right now. Um, I wish I kind of had the ADP pulled up in front of me right now to see where he was going. I have him as my wide receiver 60, though. 60? Is that high? Too low. Too low. Okay. Too low. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I mean, in fairness, I have him and Tayshawn Lyons at 59 and 60. I have them right back to back. Um, I mean, we haven't getting a look where I have Bernard now before I say that. And I look like an idiot. Oh, <laughs> We've no. Been... Whoa. Where do you I have, have him? him at 64? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
idiot, Austin. Too low. Um, no, I mean, I think Jeremy Bernard is a good uh, mid-round, like probably 10 to 12, I think is where I would start looking at him. But I don't think you have to. I think he's going a lot later than that. Like I said, I don't have the ADP pulled up here in front of me at the site, but if I had to venture a guess, um, I would think he would be going closer to the twenties. So you don't have to take him that early, but that's probably where I would, if I really wanted to get him, I'd probably grab him in rounds 10 through 12. I've been completely overhauling all of my position ranks over the past week or two while we've been doing the Debbie talks. Basically, how I've been doing it is I've been going in and with a- after our discussions, retooling, for instance, today I did quarterbacks, retooled all my quarterbacks, got them where I wanted, had them in the tiers I think they're supposed to be in. And then I put them on a sheet. Then I cop- I downloaded our CFF team's rankings, put them beside it, kind of sized oh. up. You know, it took all- out all the names I already have on there and then maybe adjust a guy up, spot up or two down, you know, depending on if, they- if I- you know, they're a CFF guy or not. Put all the CFF guys in, and boom, those are my new C2C rankings, and the Debbie rankings are obviously updated at the same time. So I haven't done wide receivers yet was where I was going with that. So okay. I, I'm I'm going to be playing around with them a little bit here over the next week or so. Okay. But I feel really good about my running backs, and I feel uh, pretty good about the quarterbacks. I'm kind of touching up a, a few last guys here, but overall um, feeling feeling good about those positions. So we'll we'll dive in and see if Jeremy Bernard okay. at 64 and 60 respectively <laughs> is too low or not. We'll we'll confirm that. Okay. All right. Let's go to Texas Tech, uh, an offense that we, we like. Zach Kitley. I think we there's been a little less talk about it because it's not the shiny new thing this offseason, but they still got a quarterback battle there. I'm really confused by this team because every time we watch Baron Morton play, he's better than Tyler Shuck. Yep. And every time Tyler Shuck's happy, they go or healthy, they go back to him. In this game, Shuck threw for he was what was oh, I lost the stats. He was like eight or like ten for twenty for seventy yards, and that was it. Morton on the day was over fifty percent passing, threw for like one hundred and seventy yards. I just don't understand why this team keeps going back to Chuck when Morton is younger and better than him, and I think can run this offense at a higher level. You're telling me, man. You're preaching to the choir here. I was hyping up Baron Morton last offseason. I thought he was the best out of those quarterbacks. And he got in last year, and he looked rough in one game, looked good in another game, then he got hurt. Uh, I would really love to see Baron Morton just unleashed in this offense. Like, I think he's a perfect fit for this system. Uh, Tyler Shuck. I found the stats real quick. I just wanted to toss them in here. Morton went 12 for 20 for 143 yards and the lone passing touchdown on the day. Tyler Shuck, 10 for 23 for 70 yards. 10 for 23 for 70 yards? Is that Kittley's offense? Come on. Yeah. Come on, bro. I can go out there and go for 10 for 23 for 70 yards in this offense. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it perplexes me. Uh, he should be the starter. He should be good if he, if, you know, for, for CFF purposes, if he would be given the start. Um, I just, I have him as my QB 54 right now in, in C2C, and that feels too low. But if Tyler Shuck is going to be the starter, how can you put him higher? 
I, I really just don't. I just don't understand it. Like, I, if somebody can in our Discord or otherwise message me and say, hey, like, this is why they're doing this, because this is a repeated pattern. Mm-hmm. I just, Shuck is the worst quarterback in college football that continuously gets chances. Yep. And I think he's worse than Keaton Slovis, who also oh. continuously gets <laughs> chances. And he's probably worse than uh, our guy, JT Daniels, over at Rice, who's. <laughs> He's on oh, his man. fourth. <laughs> but team at least he's at least he's at Rice level now. Like yeah. Tyler Shuck is still at a power five program. It just blows my mind. Yeah, I I, I just really don't understand it. I think Morton, I, I'm really my fingers are crossed. I, I don't know what to expect there anymore, but I really think Morton is their best quarterback. And if they really want to win some games this year, then I think you're you're thinking about plugging Baron Morton in there. Um yep. so. Uh, Wisconsin, we didn't get a ton of news out of there because the offense apparently was just really poor in this game. But Tanner Mordecai threw interceptions on their first three drives on the day and four total. I mean, I guess the question is, are we concerned? I mean, it sounds like they were saying they stopped short of like guaranteeing Tanner Mordecai the starting job this spring. And then he comes out and does this. Does this change anything? I don't know. But Tanner Mordecai has had bowels. Uh, is really streaky as a as a player like good Tanner Mordecai is a good CFF quarterback a good college football quarterback bad Tanner Mordecai is like get him out of here because he's gonna throw an interception on his he could break like the Nathan Peterman like the five interceptions or whatever that was like that's bad Tanner Mordecai and we saw bad Tanner Mordecai in this one yeah, so we'll see what happens there. They've got a couple of backups that, you know, I don't I don't know if they're gonna bench Mordecai unless things get really, really bad. Yeah. Um, might be good news for Braylon Allen and those guys. The offense will at least be a little more spread out. So, you know, if they're not facing eight or nine guys in the box the whole time, maybe, maybe if Mordecai's bad early, they kind of just say, Screw it, we gotta run it and we'll figure out the quarterback situation next year. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, because I mean, Wisconsin is still built for power. Like they still have a lot of those Not pieces on there. <laughs> they still have those big linemen. They still have Braylon Allen. So if they can't air the ball out, like maybe Longo like would want to, like I think Longo is a smart enough guy that he could be like, all right, let's lean on this run game a little bit more. Yeah, I think they're at least going to be pragmatic and open to things. Yeah. I will say I know um, they have a backup quarter, quarterback there, like Locke or, or something Braden like Locke, that. Yeah, transfer from Mississippi um, State. Yeah, it's spelled weird. Um, I don't know that he's the answer, but I saw that people were saying I, I didn't watch this game. People were saying that he looked a little better on the day, but I don't know that he's a long term answer there for what they yeah. want to do. Like this is like Alabama, except for they don't have seven days to find a guy in the portal. They have a year and some months. So we'll see if they maybe go try to find something else. Cause I don't, I don't think, I don't think if you're them that you want to go into 2024 with this as your group, that's just a guess, but that would be my thoughts on it. Yeah. I'll be really interested to see how Luke fickle recruits at Wisconsin. Cause we've never really seen them recruit Graham Mertz. Like when they got Graham Mertz, that was seen as like a coup for Wisconsin to get a quarterback that highly rated. Obviously, yeah. hindsight, 2020. Well, I mean, you have to wonder how much of that was Mertz's fault and how much is their fault. But Yeah, but Mertz isn't doing it at a Florida either. But 
He's he's uh, a broken man at this point, Colin. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it'll be really interesting to see how they recruit the quarterback position there with Fickle and seeming to want to bring Wisconsin's offense into a little bit more of the modern college football offenses. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch that for sure. Uh, speaking of a modern offense, Oklahoma had their spring game. It was like 87-85 or something is the final score. Apparently, the scoring was just bonkers in terms of what they were giving points for in this one because the defense supposedly on the day was pretty good overall. It wasn't wasn't just up and down, and each team scored 80 points. Um, Jackson Arnold, he didn't do a ton in this game. I don't have his stats in front of me. I have the, the rushing and receiving stats. I, I, I don't have exactly what he did. Didn't do a ton, but he did have a really nice uh, touchdown pass that I think has been making the rounds on the internet. Um, that I think the people close to the, the the team are basically saying he he's next up. Like it's really not up for a debate, and I don't know that we need to debate that because I think we've been with as much information as we can have. I think we've been you know as certain as you can be on on the succession plan at quarterback position at a school. Right. Right. Is this bad news for Michael Hawkins, who's coming in at the 2024 class as a four-star kid that um, they they recently got there? I know Matt Bruning likes him with our with our uh, recruiting team, but he, he's – I mean, I, I kind of feel bad because I think he's going to sit there for a while if he w- wants to stay there. Yeah, I do think this is bad news for Michael Hawkins. I mean, it's not always the case that the, the five-star is better than the four-star, but I think in this case, like – Jackson Arnold, five-star, looked good in limited work. He's going to have an extra year in the system. Michael Hawkins would really have his work cut out for him uh, to usurp him next year. So then he's going to sit for two years behind Jackson Arnold. Like I don't. It's nice to get that Oklahoma offer for if, if you're Michael Hawkins, but I feel like he should keep his commitment at least sort of open. He had a TC. He was supposedly between TCU and Oklahoma. I think TCU would have been a much better spot. You you think so too? I think it would have been a much better spot for him to play early. I understand why if you have NFL aspirations, you would want to go to Oklahoma. I mean, not to be a jerk, but who is Jeff Levy got to the NFL? I just mean the Oklahoma name. Yeah, I mean, I I get that, but if you're looking, and I think nowadays it's more coach driven than than school driven for a lot yeah. of that. I mean, I I don't know. I think that it definitely is more coach driven, but I think the if you were the starting quarterback at Oklahoma, I think you are more likely to your odds of being an NFL quarterback are higher than if you're the starting quarterback at TCU. You know, who, all things equal. Who has a better chance of starting a game in the next three years in the NFL, Colin? Dylan Gabriel or Max Duggan? Um, is neither an option? No, you had to pick one. <laughs> oh man, you can just you well, can just say you got me, and we can move on. You got me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I, I think Duggan probably has a better chance of starting a game. Probably, probably. So I just wanted to toss that. But, out, but I, 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 I what still you're saying I think I Gabriel is going to be a backup in the NFL. Like I still think he will get drafted, but I think Dylan Gabriel goes undrafted. If I had to guess, I think he will. I, was a Gabriel uh, believer, uh, and I am no longer. When or what made you flip? Um, I was hoping that he could bring what he did at UCF to Oklahoma, 
And he looked okay last year, but he didn't really improve. So I didn't, you didn't see like the jump that you kind of wanted to see. Uh, if, the, if he, if it just took him a year and he makes a bit of a jump this year, are you back in? No, no, probably not. Okay. Um, I mean, I think at this point he kind of is what he is. We might see like a statistical jump, but I don't think we're going to see any sort of other improvements from him. You know, that okay. deep ball I think is, is what it is at this point. Okay. Just was curious. Interesting. Beyond the quarterbacks on the day, because I think we know who the one, and I don't know if, if Arnold will be the, the backup from day two, but he is de facto. Or what, Do they still have General Booty there? Everybody's got a piece of General Booty right now, Colin. Yeah, General Booty's still there. General <laughs> Booty's still there. I don't. I, I really don't know if it's going to be him or Bevel or who the, the true two is going to be. It might. It could be Arnold. I mean, if he is it going to be Jaleel Farouk running a wildcat? Because that's what they did half of the time in the oh, game where game was <laughs> rough. Yeah. It was rough. I, I honestly almost felt bad for Oklahoma in that game. Um, in that rivalry, everyone kind of has that. You know. In a in a in a big name rivalry, you kind of have the one team that you tend to lean toward, and I've always kind of tended to lean toward Texas over Oklahoma in that matchup. Um, but I, I did feel legitimately bad for Oklahoma. Just that <laughs> total beatdown. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't good. Some other notable performances there in Oklahoma. The some of the guys that led the teams in receiving were. Players that I don't anticipate really playing that much for them this year, some names that I'm not really familiar with. And when uh, our guy Nate at CFF, Nate, Nate Marquise, I don't know what else I can call him, Nate Dog, um, <laughs> dropped in <laughs> dropped in our Slack. You know you're going to get a message about I that. He he always <laughs> listens to the show by like Tuesday, Wednesday. And it's a great show, but – and then he lists up all the things that we, yep. that we totally botched. Um, yeah, we, he is, we need he a is our humility. reality. Yes, thank yeah. you very much, Nate. Um, he didn't mention that any of those guys for for players to really watch. I mean, Andrew Anthony had a couple of catches. Jaden Gibson, some of these guys that we think could factor in, had had a couple. Jaleel Farouk had one catch, 13 yards, touchdown. Like That's all he really did on the day. So I don't know that we, that we really gained anything from that. The only other guy, Gavin Sawchuk here, had uh, just under 20 yards on the ground, and he had three catches for 47 yards and a touchdown. So... I think we expected him to kind of be the receiving back there. And I think this mostly solidifies that for us at this point. Yeah. I, as this off season has gone on, I have moved Sawchuck ahead of Javante Barnes. Um, I'm terrified of the foot. Yeah. I'm, I'm worried about the foot. I haven't nuked him totally from that. Like I do want to see, cause he played last year with it and was effective. So I do want to see how it air quotes. Because I I I watched like um, a lot of his snaps for the Debbie guy. Yeah, um, but yeah, so I have moved Sawchuck up. I, I'm not at Matt Bruning levels. I don't think anybody besides Sawchuck's parents are there yet. But you know, uh, Sawchuck has been a climber. Well, the problem is still going to be the weight, right? At the end of the day, I mean, yeah, he's supposed to be up to what, like 195 ish now. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're expecting to get 15 more pounds on him. I don't know. And I don't know that he's a Jameer Gibbs type of level of player where I'm willing to kind of just, you know, hand yeah. wave that away and say, well, or he's just so Devin good. Achen. I don't know that it matters. <laughs> did I hand wave anything with Devin Notchin? I did not. But I You did not. Said. Yeah. He's not a Olympic level, borderline Olympic level track guy. He might be. He's fast. 
He's not on chain fast. He's not. He's not. <laughs> um, Colorado, they probably buried the lead a little bit in here because I think this is a game that people really were interested. It was on ESPN. And see, it was. I didn't watch any of it, but it was on ESPN. I was watching. <laughs> um, what was I watching? Um, below deck, pretty much uh, all weekend. Okay, it was. It was a good weekend. Nice. We 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 binged a couple seasons. So nice. I, getting we, ideas, we, getting we inspirations for your next yacht. Or... Oh, of course, yeah. Okay. yeah. They they do the tour and they show you know this is the suite and they're like, oh, nice marble. I'm like, okay, marble, <laughs> marble in the bathroom. Okay. <laughs> they can do that. But Colorado, uh, look, I. I, we've we've discussed it a lot across a number of our shows, including on Better Sports, Debbie Debate. I believe we've had a discussion about it on here before about what Colorado's potential win total is going to be next year. I believe I have an under four and a half or five and a half. I have to check ticket hanging around somewhere. This defense is horrendous. Just absolutely horrendous. But on the plus side, if you're really interested in some of these guys for fantasy, they're going to have to score points to keep up with teams. So um, that could be very much a positive for some of the guys they have here. Shador Sanders came in in this one, his first action for the Buffs, 16 for 19 for 234 yards and two touchdowns. The two touchdowns, look, I'm not going to take anything away from Shador Sanders because I think (laughs) I am, if not the high guy at campuscanton.com, pretty darn close to it. And if I've, been in our CFF chat for probably it's been over a month ago where I said like I think he's got a little more upside with his legs than people think he does like we'll see what this what happens here he just hit guys running wide freaking over yeah <laughs> like you blown coverage I I, I mean the, the Travis Travis Hunter scored a touchdown and DB just didn't follow him at all like 20 25 yards downfield just wide open middle of the end zone he threw a 98 yarder which is the same deal guy was open 40 yards downfield so I don't know that we necessarily gained anything from Sanders, but I do think just the, you know the defense's incompetence is going to potentially allow for some real back and forth games there for them. Yeah, I would agree with that. So I was not, I wasn't fading Colorado's offense, but I was, you might know, be one year too early. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Is that we might be a year too early with them? But like you were saying, with the the how bad the defense looks and the sheer volume that this offense might see, especially given their schedule, because their schedule is a gauntlet. Um, so even non-con, they get TCU. Nebraska's not a walkover team or at all or anything like that. Colorado State is one of their other is their other non-con game. And I could see them having a little bit of a bounce back year. Um, I don't think they're going to be easy. They should win it, but their schedule is rough. So they're probably going to be in some some they're going to have to be in some shootouts. So you might get the, the stats there just from sheer volume. But I think from an efficiency and like just the offense kind of clicking, I think it is probably a year too early on this one. And all the pieces that are really big there. Sanders is a is a true third year guy this year. So if he performs well and go, wants to go to the NFL, he certainly can do that. But I mean, he he has a couple of years left, so he can return. And you think about the wide receivers that he has there. I can't anticipate uh, Jordan Tyson's the returner. I think he's questionable in terms of production this year because he uh, blew out his knee late last year, and you know, I, I am not expecting him back and, and fully healthy too early. Then the other guys, Jimmy Horn and Xavier uh, Weaver, uh, both came over from USF. I I don't expect either of them to leave either. 
So, I mean, I, I, Dylan Edwards at running back, like I think mm-hmm. they bring the whole cast back. So if they can beef up the offensive line a little bit, get the defense a little more under control, like I think, you know, maybe the year after that they went six, seven, I don't know, eight games, it's a, a lot of things bounce right for them. But I think it's it's just a year too early. But I am – so, I mean, I, I it's it's impossible to make the prediction today if Shador Sanders comes back for another year or not. Yeah. It, it really, it's, it's, it's really, really difficult. I, where do you have him for Debbie Colin when we were on the, did you on the, the, uh, the call the other day? Um, I have him, I believe Corey and I were the high guys or, or uh, no, he's Matt in my, I, Matt and I. he's in my tier five. Um, yeah. I have him at QB 37. Wow. So okay. I want to, s- I want to see it at a, at an F, at an FBS level at a power five level first um you know I'm not I think there's definitely some intriguing traits there um mm-hmm. but I, I just I just want to see it first and I know you know Debbie is about projection and stuff but uh we kind of and we'll talk about it in a second we got burned a little bit with the last FCS to FBS power five transfer uh didn't perform quite as well as we thought he would so I'm tempering expectations a little bit this year I have him at QB 14 for Debbie and okay. he's risen, I don't know, a handful of spots over the past few weeks for me. And my logic for him is really this. We see the NFL constantly looking at bloodlines for a lot of these things. Hmm. I think it legitimately matters to the NFL, whether it should or not, I think a different debate, but should Sanders dad is football royalty he's playing in a power five program and while i don't i don't think he's a great quarterback really at all at least hasn't shown he is one yet i think he has enough traits that the nfl could talk themselves into liking him based on who his dad is so I have him in a tier like he he's he, 14 sounds high, but once you hit QB, like QB 12, 13 is really the last guy. He, he's literally the first quarterback that I'm like, I don't feel really good about projecting him, but it, he's got some things going for him that make him appealing as a, as a, as a, a deeper option. So I don't, I, I, I'm still not buying him where people are taking him in supplemental drafts. I'm seeing him go in like early second rounds. I think that's still a little too early for me. Startups, I haven't seen a ton. I haven't done a ton yet. Now that that tax season's over, I'll be done. I'm already. I'm in one right now, so we'll see uh, where he goes in those. But I, I, I tend to think that he, we're we're probably as a group a little too low on him right now. We definitely might be. Uh, I, I think for for C two C itself, um, like I have him because I was talking that, that was Debbie where I had him QB thirty seven or whatever it was um for c2c i have him qb 41 so basically in the same range but obviously ahead of him i have you know like frank harris i have ahead of him daquan finn i have ahead of him riley leonard i have ahead of him um who are guys that i think are just only cff guys um any other Dylan Edwards had a couple big runs. He's really the only mm-hmm. other name that I wanted to highlight. Tra- Travis Hunter had two touchdowns in this one. Um, but we've already been talking a lot about how we think he can be a top 10, 15 Debbie wide receiver. So I don't know. 
they said he was just learning the playbook and that's kind of why they were focusing him a lot more on offense. And now he'll, he'll, he'll switch back to more of a two-way kind of guy. Um, but Dylan Edwards is the other name that I wanted to highlight. And he had a couple big runs in this one. I still probably a lot of CFF potential, probably not a lot of NFL potential here with him. Colin, is that, that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, he's small. Um, he's really small. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like really small. Like, was he 165? Like really like really, really small really small yeah uh yeah How i mean that's the big concern with him. yeah that's the big concern with him uh, he's listed at five nine on their website he's not five nine for the record yeah i think he w- wasn't he like five eight or five seven like one he, i feel like he was like five eight five seven one sixty five i would guess he's five seven and they have him listed at 165 that could be accurate but i don't know how much frame this kid's got left to work with really it's uh yeah he in on 24 7 he's listed at 5 8 160 okay yeah i don't he's not five nine there's zero percent chance yeah and is he putting on 40 pounds to get up to 200 even with his current athletic gifts if he get if he got to 180 185 i think he would be moderately intriguing to an nfl team not as a fantasy guy really for us but as kind of a change of pace as like a deuce vaughn yeah kind of player (laughs) well as deuce vaughn but i mean we've already seen vaughn's not getting any hype at all from the nfl right now it doesn't seem like he's really a hot ticket item at his size and it's at that size basically impossible to do more in college than deuce vaughn did really yeah. I, yeah. I, don't, I mean he's he's uh, maybe got an inch or two and a couple pounds on him but realistically unless he's hitting he's the, some he is decent thresholds yeah. i mean so I, I i i think he's really really interesting for cff though for the next couple yeah. of years i really really do especially i i wish vaughn would have stayed another year and we could have gotten the four years out of him i think edwards if he stays for four years he's probably worth yeah. whatever pick you end up spending on him like a fourth fifth round kind of guy in supplementals it seems like yeah. it's probably the rent the, the range for him that i would guess yeah, I mean, look at what Sean Lewis did at Kent State with Marquez Cooper. You know, yeah, Marquez Cooper was very that. was very he was a small guy. He was very CFF relevant. So, like, I don't see any reason why he, Dylan Edwards couldn't put up similar production as Marquez Cooper. You know, obviously not year one, but you know, year two, year three, year four. Yeah. So, how about this? Why not year one? I'm not I mean, saying that's... this. I, I'm not actually predicting this, but I'm just like, why not year one? What I mean, what that's a other fair, running back on the roster is going to get in his way. That's a fair point. There really isn't anybody on the roster that's going to get in his way. It's just really hard for freshmen to come in and do that, you know, mm-hmm. like because Marquez Cooper with it was like a 1200, 1100 yard running back. Deuce Vaughn did it. Yeah. But Deuce Vaughn's an outlier. I'm just, just saying. I'm just there. there I think the, the lack of offensive line is ultimately what keeps him from doing that. Yeah, that's fair. But I I I think he'll get the majority of the touches there if I had to guess. Probably. I'm not saying he's a bell cow, but I think you're if you pound it at the goal line, they're just gonna let him run right up the gut. They'll they'll develop a play where two linemen step back and pick him up and fling him really, really <laughs> high in the air. He just flies over everybody. That'd be pretty cool. They call it's it like the airplane the thing, but way different. Like, you know, a little even more gamesmanship involved. Yeah. That that's the new play. Um, the only other note that I have here from any of the games, Colin, uh, Cam Ward at Washington State had another really productive day. Now, part of that could just be Washington State's defense isn't very good, although they weren't bad. They weren't bad at all last year. 
uh, and he did the same thing in the spring game. Like, is this were we just a year too early on on Cam Ward here, or um, is this just kind of another you know Michael Trigg situation where he blows up the spring game and then once the lights come on, it's it's uh, a little more difficult for him. Yeah, Cam Ward is probably my toughest uh, evaluation right now. Honestly, yeah. at the quarterback position, we talk about it on the Debbie call. Um, I have him in my Debbie QBs. Um, I have him in my tier four. And Same. he's yeah, he's like right around QB 20 for me. Um, I'm not ready to write him off yet because he did make that jump from FCS to power five last year. And he had flashes. Sure. Absolutely. You know, we need to see him take another step forward. He really needs to rein in the deep ball. Uh, and I think that will help him. That would, that's like the, the biggest question mark that I have with him right now. If he can hand, if he can manage to do that, I think the NFL will be intrigued by him. So, I'm not ready to write him off, but he is also a guy who could drop like a stone in Debbie rankings um, for C2C. I think he's going to be productive on the college side. Is he going to be a QB one? No, probably not, but I think he can be a starter for you. So yeah, we're kind of doing it again with him, but cautiously. Okay. Okay. I, I don't really have a good answer. So, We'll leave you with uh, the last word there. Um, just one other uh, news item that's not spring game related. Malachi Coleman, the uh, highly rated, mm. highly, highly athletic wide receiver headed to Nebraska, did not enroll early. He is a track star, so he was staying in high school to do his final track season. Uh, picked up an injury this week, uh, is not is sitting out the rest of the track season. So uh, he's just preparing for football. But I just thought that was a, a noteworthy thing for anybody potentially looking for some Malachi Coleman news because uh, this their spring game certainly wasn't much to talk about this yeah. weekend from everything I read and heard. Gabe Irvin scored a touchdown. So we're back on the Gabe Irvin hype train, but other than that, <laughs> undertaker not, not gift. So much. Yes, exactly. All right. Let's hop into some housekeeping, Colin. First off, check out campus May have heard us say that once or twice here throughout the episode already. That is our parent website. If you're not familiar uh, three different membership tiers for you, $2.99 uh, a month, $29.99 gets you in the door there. Of course, if you just want to go over and see what we have over there before you commit, we've got all of all of our articles in the offseason, more or less, are available for free, no membership required. And of course, our podcast and the majority of our YouTube content as well. So you can get a taste of what we're doing there. We actually just got a DM from somebody who a uh, long-time listener and signed up to the site the other day and was asking which which membership option was right for him. So go ahead and do that because, Colin, we've got the Debbie Guide dropping here in yes, sir. Uh, about a week by the time this this podcast go yeah. live. May 1st, 5-1-2023, second edition of our Debbie Guide is going to be dropping. I think we did a pretty good job last year when I was going back through where we had guys ranked. I think overall um, it, it was pretty dang good. I think we learned a lot, and now we're ready for round two here. So go ahead. That'll be dropping. If you are a scholarship yearly member or you're one of our grandfather members from back when the site first started, you get your choice of one free guide, so you can choose to do that Debbie guide. You'll get an email telling you how to download that. Colin, you can speak to that a little more. Is my, Am I correct in that that process of, of how it's going to go? Yes, you are correct in that. You will get the email 
Uh, now you will get the email no matter what. If you used your free guide on the freshman and supplemental guide, um, you will not be able to use the the promo code on the Devi guide as well. It's set up for one use, one time per person. Uh, but if you haven't used it yet, then you feel free to use the uh, the promo code. You'll get an email explaining all about it. And you know what? Lucky for them, if they did use their free one on that already, you can buy the Devi guide separately for twenty dollars, or mm-hmm. why don't you just upgrade the NIL yearly, guys? The NIL is our top membership option, seven ninety nine a month. $79.99 a year. And that's the one that's going to get you all of our guides. Literally yep. every single thing we do at campus2canton.com. Exclusive Twitter chat. We've already started sending out the emails for one-on-one calls with all of our NIL members this year. So we'll be doing those, going through rosters and kind of setting up draft and trade strategy for you. And of course, The Collective, our new podcast over there as well. We're a handful of episodes into that. All sorts of different things happening behind the scenes that we talk about there. And then we do have a draft competition as well, guys. We dropped the link on Twitter. If you guys want to go ahead and do it, we are doing, we're giving away a signed JSN jersey for the winner. Basically, all you have to do is there's a Google Doc. You make a copy of it. You type in all of your winners or, or like all the, the players in the first round. You think, you know, first the first pick is whoever, and they're going to take Bryce Young. And then there's a point system. It's all explained in the tweet. We all tweet it out again. We'll retweet it a couple of times. Um, and yeah, that's what the winner gets. So that's open to everybody, not just members at C2C. So go ahead and check that out. I think that does it for housekeeping, Colin. Do you have any other uh, items to, to share with the people? Uh, no, I do not. Okay, then we'll bring it home here. We have two little segments here, Colin. The first one, uh, the last one's freshman profiles. We're doing those all off season here, yep. one each. A player or topic you have not been able to talk about yet on this show, but you think is important. That was the prompt. Mm-hmm. We both were down a couple of ideas as we were brainstorming. You have two names here. You got to talk about both of them. I am. I am. The first name uh, is Donovan Smith, the quarterback for Houston. And I have, I've mentioned him briefly. I don't remember exactly which show well, it was. Been it was disqualified. It was a while ago. Uh, and it was really just mentioned in passing, but I really think Donovan Smith is going to have a, a, a big year for CFF purposes. Uh, go, I think he's a really good fit for Dana Holgerson uh, in that system there. And Dana Holgerson has the last year uh, in the Houston offense, Clayton tuned through for over 4,000 yards uh, and 40 touchdowns the year before 3,500 yards. Um, it, it, Dana Holgerson system just produces huge numbers. I mean, the, t- the quarterbacks, that have that Dana Holgerson has been a called plays for. Um, he's a Mike Leach disciple, so he Graham Harrell, uh, but then Case Keenum, Brandon Whedon, they were all guys who had huge years. And um, Keenum and, and Whedon, both of those guys got drafted, you know. Uh, and I think that Donovan Smith has the skill set that is the going to intrigue the NFL. He's got a big arm. He can make all the throws that the NFL would ask for him. Um, he does have a little bit of like a half arm delivery, which is a little um, interesting. Um, but he is powerful as a runner. He's mobile. He's not going to, you know, break off these huge 20 yard runs or anything. But he, he, you know, can escape in the pocket. He can pick up some chunks of yards. You have to respect him. So, I think there's a little bit of Debbie potential with Smith. 
but I'm big on his CFF uh, potential this year and he'll have another year too. So he has two years left if he wants it. So I, uh, I'm, I'm pretty high on, on Donovan Smith. I've been trying, he's a guy I've been trying to buy a lot this off season. What would you pay for him? Oh, Not man. to give everybody ammo that you're trying to buy him from, but that stems <laughs> the brakes when you do a, a weekly <laughs> podcast on a on a format that you know yeah. we're, we're, there's not a lot of people giving out info, so people probably know what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, I have Donovan Smith as my QB twenty in C two C right now. Uh, again, you know, the two years in a Dana Holgerson system, I think is going to be. Um, he, I think he'll be a back-end QB1, high-end QB2 for CFF purposes. So I really like that. That helps why he's up there. What would I trade for him? It kind of depends on where my team is at. But if we're just talking in terms of supplemental picks, I would probably trade probably like a... If it's a really late three, that means I'm a contender. And if I'm a really late three and I need a quarterback, I would consider that. But fourth round is probably where I'm more comfortable. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Anybody else you want to talk about here, Colin? Oh, you want me to go two in a row? Yeah, why don't you just do both years? I, 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 I'll do mine two after you here. Okay. They're shorter. I don't. I don't have as much to say. You know how it be. Right. Yeah, I'm long winded. That's all right. <laughs> Um, the other guy that I want to talk about is not a guy that I've really mentioned. I don't think I mentioned him at all. I don't really mention. I haven't really mentioned him anywhere. Um, is Jordan Curley, the wide receiver for SMU, brother of Jeremy Curley, longtime Jet. I think he bounced around a couple other teams too, or no, also, cousin also related to cousin. Curly Mo and Larry. Yes, uh, but oh, Jordan no. Curley has been getting a lot of hype at SMU. He caught two touchdowns in the um, spring game, uh, not this past Friday, two Fridays ago. Caught two touchdowns there. Uh, He's looked really good. It seems like he's going to be the wide receiver one. And the wide receiver one in a Rhett Lashley offense just eats. I mean, we saw it last year with Rasheed Rice. Um, And the wide receiver one, by by that I mean like a boundary guy. Um, He... Lashley does tend to focus more on the boundary, but Rhett Lashley or uh, Rasheed Rice, 96 catches 1300 yards, 10 touchdowns last year. The year before that rash Lashley was calling plays at Miami. Uh, and he's the one who really helped Tyler Van Dyke have that year in 2021. But he, the, the wide receiver one there was Charleston Rambo 79 uh, catches 1100 yards, seven touchdowns. So I think Jordan Curley is a going to be a big time CFF wide receiver. I don't know about his NFL potential yet. I really haven't dove into the tape. There hasn't been a lot, honestly, to this point. Um, he, he wasn't a year one zero because he was a three star wide receiver and he was like outside the top 1000 prospects. Um, but he had like 37 catches last year. So he did a little bit. There's not a lot on him, so I'm intrigued, but mostly for the CFF potential right now. And he's a guy that I don't really hear too many people talking about. Yeah, I, I, that, you know, Donovan Smith, I think we've at least uttered his name on the show. I don't know that we've ever talked to Curly. So, yeah. There, you, you said have... a top topic that 
we haven't talked about. Well, you went one for one for two there, following directions. So good job. Um, where do you have Curly ranked? So I have him right now as my wide receiver sixty three for C for C two C purposes. What is it? Sixty three. Okay. Um, because he does have two years left. He had a um, one of those years. There was the the COVID year. He was that was his freshman year, I believe. So. He does have another year if he really wants it. Okay, interesting. I so I have a group of as I said I haven't I haven't touched up the wide receivers to finalize my my full rankings updates yet. I literally delete my entire rankings and start over. Um, and this will start. As part actually, of the I'm looking at this probably every year. Go ahead. Just want to correct myself. He does only actually have one year left. I just pulled okay. it up. Okay. Uh, he was in 2019. Mm. So does he have a redshirt year? No, um, six. He played in six games his freshman year. Oh, SMU. I feel like it's the Dennis meme with the bowl of cereal in his car. <laughs> Can't repeat it on the show. It's not, not, yes, not child yes. friendly. Yes. Um, I have him. I, I, I have a group of like 20 players that I haven't ranked yet at the bottom of my wide receivers, and he's in the bunch. I gotcha. Would be pretty sure that I'm not going to have him anywhere near wide receiver 63, but I bet he wouldn't be if at all past wide receiver 90. So probably, probably somewhere in between 63 and 90. I'll probably drop him down a little bit now that I know he does actually only have one year. Um, I'll probably drop him a couple spots, but he's still a guy that I'm very interested in. I, I would be shocked if he's owned in your C2C league, if he's on a roster. So he's probably available in your supplemental. He's rostered in a couple of mine, but I also play with degenerates. So, um, and we also play in a couple like 24 team leagues and 20 team leagues. Like he might be rostered in yes. those, but your standard 12 team yeah. league, I would be surprised if he's rostered. Yeah, he shouldn't be. Someone got really lucky or weird. Um, yeah. All right, Colin. So, I, my, my, my first one's here actually a discussion point that I want us to talk about because we've had a couple people talk about it ask us about it in the discord and other places. And then the past couple of weeks have made me rethink what I originally thought about the Alabama running back room and okay. what the plan looks like there over the next couple of years. Obviously it's Alabama. There's always a risk of the next big thing coming in there and throwing a wrench into plans. No one predicted Jameer Gibbs would be there last year, kind of threw off the Jason McClellan timeline a little bit, which then, in return, throws off the Jamar Miller and Justice Haynes yeah. timeline, which also probably throws off the Roy Dow Williams timeline. But let's just assume that the transfer portal, they, they're not going to bring anybody in from it, and they're obviously going to recruit some guys, but they always will. We think Jace McClellan's going to leave after this year, and we think he can probably, probably be a late round two kind of guy if things click for him this year. They have they, they've done ballot Bama has done this thing over the past couple of years where they basically have a between the tackles grinder and then they have kind of a receiving back is probably too light of a term because they do give them it, it's a kind of an all around skill set. Yeah. It is the other back that they have. And over the past couple of years, the grinder has been, you know, Brian Robinson, it's been Trey Sanders. Uh honestly, kind of Najee occupied both roles for a season just because he could kind of do a little bit of both. I think it's going to be Roy Dell Williams this year and probably maybe the year after that as well. But the all-around guy is really the guy that we're kind of focused on. 
Do we still think the succession plan there is Jace McClellan for 2023, Jan Miller for 2024, and then Justice Haynes for 2025? Essentially, each of them get one year, play really well, go to the NFL. Man, I think that's a a really good question. Uh, I think it's Jace McClellan in 2023. I feel pretty confident about that. Yeah, that's a slam dunk. Yeah, I feel much less confident about Jam and Justice Haynes. Uh, especially given what we just saw in the spring game from Haynes and, and all the ravings we've been getting from him. I could see Miller and Haynes splitting. Uh, is Roy Williams out of eligibility after this year? Does he have another year? No, I believe he has another year if he wants it. <sighs> he's going to take it. I'm pretty he's sure it's the same guy. year as McClellan. I'm pretty sure they came in together. Yeah. Okay. I think you're right. Uh, he's going to take that. That's going to be so annoying. Who did, who did you um, want to be the bruiser to take his spot? Uh, I mean, I think Richard probably... Young's the next guy, the obvious decision, the guy there, right? <laughs> no. Who's As the, the bruiser? Guy? Yeah. Isn't Richard Young like 190? No. Well, he's listed at like just over 200 pounds, but A, I can guarantee you he not actually weighs more than that, and B, he can get to 220 if he wants it. That is a thick dude. Uh, okay. Okay. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, if he can get, a, I thought he was listed at like 190. No. Um, he's a big boy. He's like six foot 200. Man, I was almost positive he was listed as 190. I'm going to look I just wrote his Debbie profile. So, unless I'm just totally talking out of my butt. Well, you know, I mean, it's been known you know, to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then at that point, then yes, I think he would be the, uh, the next guy up. He's 5'11, 200. Okay. Um, so yeah, he'll probably be the next bruiser then. So and bruiser is an oversimplification. Yeah. I mean, Brian Robinson isn't like the most dynamic guy in the world, but he can he, he can. He's not yeah. just a I'm he offers a little. Yeah, he's not Mike Allstock, but that's a lofty comparison. Yeah, he can run more than he can do more than just run straight and hit people really hard. It's just I'm, he's, we're calling them the bruiser. He's more than Mayan Williams. No, that's disrespectful to mine. I can't. <laughs> I can't get into these discussions in places where Felix is going to listen to them. Uh, yeah. So, but going back to your original question, then, yeah, I think Jam Miller is probably. I don't want to say he's going to transfer out, but I think he's probably going to get jumped by Haynes, given everything we've seen. I think Jam Miller is going to be a faller for me. I I am starting to get slightly more concerned about Jam than I was a few months ago. I yeah. will uh, fully admit that. But I'm wondering if it's more likely that Alabama runs three backs out there next year, maybe making both of them <laughs> worthless for fantasy purposes, but they both still can get drafted. I mean, think about, so the, the only year that I can think of that's comparable to this is the 2018 Alabama team. And on that 2018 Alabama team, guys that got significant touches, they basically, they had Damian Harris who had 150 carries. They had Josh Jacobs who had 120 carries and then Najee Harris had 117. And Brian Robinson was actually on that team and got 63 as well. Yeah, but two of those guys were first-round draft picks. Yes. And they weren't the guys who led the team. Uh, Damian Harris led it. Damian Harris led it, right? Harris Harris? had 150. Jacobs had 120. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then Najee yeah. had like a hundred something. Yeah. yeah. So Damian yeah. was the one who led it, and the two first round draft picks did not. So what I'm saying is that was a this this was more of a they're all super talented. Maybe we give it to three guys, not like uh okay. this is how we're gonna rank them in terms of talent, Colin. Okay. Come on. Okay. <sighs> Sorry, you got me a little rod up there. I like to uh, to try to do that time and time and again. It's good for you. Damn, that team was so good. Tua, Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts, Judy, Ruggs, Waddle, Devonta, Irv Smith. Yeah. There's only two guys that got touches on that offense all year that I've never heard of before. <laughs> That's actually pretty was one crazy. of them a tight end. Uh I'm a Derek Keefe, K-I-E-F, got played in five games and he had four receptions for 39 yards and a touchdown. And then Hale Hent G's. H-E-N-T-G-E-S had four receptions for 34 yards and three touchdowns. That dude had four catches for three touchdowns. He's like freaking Mike Vrabel out there. <laughs> for anybody too young to know that reference, Mike Vrabel played linebacker for the Patriots, but they put him in as a tight end a lot in the red zone, and he had at one point in his career like 12 catches for 12 touchdowns. Um, that was just what he did. Um, so I'm, I'm just is it possible that it's it's jam and justice and roydell in 2024 is that is that could that be where we're going it's possible i think if jam stays i think it's possible but i like i said i'm getting a little bit more concerned about jam with the more and more positive news that we've been hearing out of haynes yeah i am too so that's that's why i want to talk about it we haven't really talked about it at all on the show but i think i think young's the next the next bruiser quote unquote and those two will battle it out for the other spot we'll see what happens i buy that don't i only have one other sentence that's all i'm going to say i want more connor harrell that's all i have to say okay north carolina quarterback that's it okay all right let's do some freshman profiles here colin uh we both chose we chose the top two backs in the class yeah we did at least according to our rankings cedric baxter take it away um yeah so i mean it's he goes by cj baxter now i actually didn't realize that that's what he's listed at on uh texas's website i'm gonna call him that cj baxter cedric baxter jr (laughs) um i mean he is the most talented back in this class uh he is the only tier one running back that i had in this class um which retrospectively maybe justice haynes probably should have been up there um but i think cedric baxter is is really good i mean he enters college at a nfl ready size 6'1 210 i think he still has some room on his frame too where he could get up to 215 220 um and he's got really good contact balance he absorbs contact very well i think he does need to improve his pad level uh he when he takes on uh, defenders, he tends to lean more at the waist instead of kind of dropping his hips uh, and then like converting, you know, speed into power there. But he's fast. Big guy runs fast, clocked at 21.9 uh, miles per hour by our recruiting team. Uh, same range athletic comps as um, Darren McFadden, Adrian Peterson, Edron James. Those are all the guys in there for the size speed. So, he gets the top speed really quickly as well. Very explosive first step. Uh, he's explosive uh, as as a runner as well. He uses jump cuts effectively. He can make defenders miss. I think he's pr- very patient too as a runner. 
Uh, he'll chop his feet at the line. He'll let his blocks set up, uh, and then he'll hit the hole. I haven't seen any pass catching from him, really. There's a couple of reps you can find on tape, but 24-7 Sports says he looked good catching the ball in 7-on-7. Seven seven. So that's a positive note. I think we'll need to see it at Texas here. Just You know, you can't say he... I don't want to say he can't do it, but I just we just need to see it. But they've made a lot of uh, a lot of noise this offseason about Sark having a thousand yard rusher every year that he's been a, a college head coach. Uh, and because they've made all of those, because they made they've made that announcement, he's made that announcement a couple times. Said that stat. I think he probably is going to want to do that again. And Baxter's looked good. He's made a name for himself this spring. I think he could force his way onto the field early for Texas. Uh, and if he does, I think he's the back who is mo- who set up the best and has the best profile to be a workhorse out of all of the other guys on that roster. Um, Jonathan Brooks has been injured, so he's been out all spring. So we'll have to see how he plays into the mix when he comes back. But if I'm betting on anybody in this backfield right now, it's Baxter. And I think he's uh, he's definitely has an NFL skill set. If you had every pick in the first round, what's the pick you would take him at in a supplemental draft? Well, I'm probably taking quarterbacks one and two and probably three as well. I would probably take Arch there. Um, so, uh, Malachi Nelson, Dante, Malachi Moore, Nelson, Arch Dante Manning, Moore, Arch Manning, um, Jonte Cook, I would take ahead of Baxter. And then that's probably where it gets close. I would be between him and, and, um, probably like Zachariah branch probably be between those two. Okay. Position scarcity makes me maybe lean Baxter because there's a mm-hmm. lot of receivers in this class. So and not a lot of running backs. Yeah. So like the 105, 106. Okay. What about you? Probably that range. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that feels right. There's a couple other guys in a that I would debate taking over him depending on you know, I know we the the exercise was you have every pick. Right. But you know, depending on what my next pick is and what I anticipate my league doing. Maybe I pass on him, but for Branch or Carnell Tate is the other guy that I I'm lumping up into that category <laughs> at this point, man. I'm just I'm gonna believe in wheels coming up. out of there, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think no later than 108, depending on what's going on. Yeah, I think you'll see him go a lot earlier than that in drafts. In fairness, and I'm still like I haven't soured on him at all. Um. I think you could conceivably take him from anywhere between 103 and 108. And that's yeah, that'd not be probably, not be crazy. Probably normal. Well, I chose, I believe by our rankings, the RB2 in the group and a couple of us here at C2C, not including myself, have him as the RB1 in the class. And that is Justice Haynes. We talked about quite a bit already on this show. 5'11", 200 right now, coming out of Georgia and obviously now at Alabama as an early enrollee. Notes that I have on him, and I think these these are my notes on him coming out of high school, and then we'll kind of talk about what it sounds like he's already doing a little bit. I have I have listed he has an ideal build, low center of gravity, but
but need uh, but needs to gain a little bit of weight in order to maximize current size. His contact balance is top notch. He's able to shed tacklers high really easily and can often bounce off low tackles and, mo- and maintain momentum due to a low, thicker or thicker lower half. Has some of the best burst in the class. First step is extremely explosive, and he looked even more explosive as a senior at one of the top high schools in the state. Plays under control with feet within frame, allows him to change direction quickly and effectively. The cons, definitely needs to add a little bit of weight, and he still really hasn't done that. He was listed at 200 coming out of high school and still at 200, so that'll be a goal for him over the next year or so. And really, the other questions, crowded backfield at Bama, so does he get on the field early? And then I think he needs to work on pressing the line and kind of working on some of that manipulating defenders on the first and second levels. When I watched the game this weekend, he's still not doing that last one at all. There were a lot of times where he was kind of just running up the back of the, the offensive lineman and seeing what would happen. But I still think that he has enough other really good skills and that feel he will develop it a little bit. I think he can be a 30-catch guy at Alabama, which obviously adds some fantasy value in the short term and then project to the NFL. Uh, ideally, we see him hit 210, 215. I think this is a guy that you can take. I think we we discussed this on Debbie debate last week and and the spring game didn't really sway me at all. I I think there are, there's a discussion to be had to take him over Baxter. And I think I would still take Baxter because we still don't know what the opportunity is going to look like at Alabama for him and how long it's going to take. But I think there's an argument there. So if somebody in your, you know, if you want to take him over Baxter at 104, 105, I don't know that that's necessarily a the, the, a bad move. I I think that we will see that happen quite a bit this offseason. So I I like Baxter. He was my RB three in the class. I bumped him with RB two. Um, Haynes and and uh, sorry Haynes. Yeah, you said you like Baxter. Okay. Yeah, I did. I did. I I like Haynes. Uh, he's my RB two now, and I think uh, I, I think he's a really talented player. I'm just hoping that he can get that job sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad to hear you're uh, sipping the the Felix Sharp Kool Aid now. Um, now it's apparently he's as Kool Aid. <laughs> I was gonna say apparently Felix is the only person to hype up uh, Haynes, and we all we all followed. We I'm all... glad. I'm glad we all heard that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that too. I was like, wow. Yeah. Uh, Alfred was definitely the first one that I heard hyping him up. Alfred's also on the recruiting team. So, you know, I don't want to sit here and say that Felix wasn't hyping him up too. Felix is always more vocal. Felix um, Felix tried to convince me that he was the RB1 when we were in a pizza shop across from the the comedy club that we were going to in New York Sparrows. City. We were there. You would think it was Sabaras, but no, it was, it was sadly <laughs> okay. not Sabaras. But... Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like Justice Haynes as well. He was my RB2 in this class. Uh, he has been the whole time. I think the biggest concern and you touched on it is the backfield at Alabama. You know, when is he going to get on the field and to the, his patience, he, I, I do see he has a tendency to want to get up field in a hurry. And then oftentimes he is running into the back of his lineman. Um, so he needs to develop a better feel for that, but these guys are freshmen, you know, we have to project them to be able to improve in some of their areas uh, of, of weakness and i think that's probably his biggest one everything else i think is maybe not a strength but it's average to above average at, at worst um so yeah i mean i'm i'm big uh, i'm a haynes fan as well 
All right, guys. I think that's going to do it for tonight's show. Make sure you're checking out the podcast feed. The draft is coming up here soon. So de- uh, the daily draft report is going to be sadly going away, but you can go back and listen to every episode that Dwight put out on that throughout the offseason. Chasing the Natty, Campus Life, Back to Devi, Devi Debate, Canton Bound, and Future Freshman is back, guys. We're talking freshman. Woot, woot. Uh, first episode of the season dropped this past week. Yours truly is on this coming week. So oh. pay attention to that. We're going to talk some quarterbacks, I believe, is going to be our discussion. Okay. So, yes. Yeah. So that'll be that'll be there. And for anybody that does not familiar with that show, we talk uh, freshmen, all, all incoming freshmen, a lot from a, a CFF perspective. So yeah. Um, which guys Posted by Brandon on. Sanders. Yes. Maybe, maybe guys that'll touch the field a little bit early. Uh, maybe some smaller school stuff. Uh, we, we dive into all of that. So a uh, really, really good show there. Of course, check out the YouTube page, check out, we're going to be hosting some draft content this week, both at campus to Canton and on better sports. We're going to be a part of their coverage. Um, so, so if you're looking for some draft coverage live, uh, instant reaction stuff, we'll be around uh, doing a lot of that either again at the campus to Canton YouTube page or, on Better Sports Network. Until next time, guys, I'm Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good one.